We are in a series called Selfless, and today's topic is extravagant giving. Lately, as I make time for God, I would often hear him say to me, I will never leave or forsake you. It's not an audible voice. It's something I hear in my spirit as I turn to God in prayer. I'll never leave or forsake you. Such comforting words. Any anxiety, care, or worry can be cast into God's hands because he promises to be there to help through difficult times. This promise is not actually just for me. It's for all of us who put our trust in God. It can be found in the Bible. God will never desert you or abandon you. In Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, in the New American Standard Version, he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. In the New Living Translation, which is probably um, a more uh, modern version, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. God will help us. He won't desert us or forsake us. He will never fail us or abandon us. The Lord God Almighty is giving us this promise. When I first looked this up, I was surprised to see its context. In the passage just before, it says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. In context, this promise is talking about money and provision. I will never desert you or or forsake you. My life has been a long lesson of trusting God for his provision a promise he gave me many years ago when Mark and I first started, uh, when we first decided to step into Christian ministry, it was Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I knew going into ministry wasn't a money-making career, so this promise was important to me. God was promising to give us all we need as we say yes to his call. We were young in our 20s, and over the years, we've seen God's hand move, even miraculously. God has been faithful to this promise to give us everything we need and more. Matthew 6.33 is actually a promise for everyone, everyone who will seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Whether you're a pastor or missionary, a white-collar professional, or a nine-to-five worker, this applies to you. God is teaching us to trust him for provisions and not put our trust in money. He wants us to have the love of God and love of God's kingdom in our hearts. When we have confidence that God will provide for our needs, we can be generous. We can give generously as God leads because we have the confidence he'll provide for us for our future. The godly loves to give. I think my lesson in finances started before Mark and I were married. Our church had a guest speaker, and he spoke on Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12. God is speaking to his people, Israel. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? 
When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Back then, people lived by farming, and their income was their crops. The speaker challenged us to honor the Lord with our tithes. He said to test the Lord, as the Bible says, and see if God doesn't open the heavens and pour out a blessing. The tithe is 10% of your gross income, and you give it to the church, which is God's temple. It takes great faith to tithe today. I think that is why this is the only place in the Bible that I know of where we can test God and see. Mark and I didn't have a lot. Back then, Mark's gross pay was $700 a month. And, we, and I was a college student working part-time. We decided to take up the challenge. We decided to tithe our wedding gifts. Our first tithe came out to $800, more than Mark's monthly gross pay. We tested the Lord with our tithe, and a few weeks later, I received a check in the mail for $1,500, almost double what we gave. God was true to his promise. Since that tithe, we haven't stopped, even though we were tested through financially tight times. I remember one year looking at our church donation statement, thinking, wow, what I could have done with that $5,000. But I quickly dismissed that thought because God is the one who provides for us and I didn't want to rob God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. When we tithe, we are remembering that it is the Lord who gives us the power to make wealth. God is the one who gives us the good health and favor. He is the one who gives us the clear thinking and inspiration. He helps us at work, especially when we ask him to. It is God who is giving us the power to make wealth. When we continue to honor the Lord with our tithe, even through tight times, it's an act of faith, and that pleases God. And he has never failed to fulfill his promise of meeting Mark and my needs. Over the years, I would ask the Lord where and how much he wanted me to give. This is an offering over and above the tithe. I remember one Christmas... I felt, the Lord to give, uh, I felt the Lord impress me to give $500 to a ministry. My first reaction was, what? $500, and this is above the tithe? Um, Mark was on staff at MGMC. He wasn't the lead pastor. And I was at home with the kids, homeschooling the kids. And money was tight. We lived very frugally. $500 was a lot of money. But I felt it was clearly the Lord's leading, so we gave it. A few weeks later... I received a check from the church. It was a gift from an anonymous donor, and the check was $500. God, that was exciting. When God led, I gave, then he gave back. Isn't that cool? 
I knew God was teaching me a lesson. He gave it back through the donor. Um, and, well, you know, to be honest, I felt like I was giving and getting. It's like I'm pass- it's passing through, like the exact same amount. And I said, sheesh, it's just like I'm the middleman passing the money on. The next Christmas, I sought the Lord where to give and how much. How much would you like me to give and where? And I got $75, and I sent it to homeless ministry. I waited. There was no big anonymous gift. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I got the message. I repented and asked the Lord to forgive me for having a selfish attitude. I told him, in the future, I'll be glad to pass on money. Bring it in, I'll pass it on. It's way better than, you know, just giving and, like, nothing. <laughs> it really is better. In Proverbs 21:26, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. If we are living correctly as God's holy people, our trust will be in God to provide for us, and we will become God's vessels that gladly pass on his blessings to others. If we are living correctly, Our goal will not be in storing up for ourselves and our future, as the world teaches us to. I don't mean that you can't have a lot in your bank or a big portfolio. The question is, what's in your heart? God sees our hearts. Whether you have a little or a lot, are you willing to inquire of him and give however he leads? We will receive according to what we give. Lauren Cunningham is a founder of Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM, and he wrote a book called Daring to Live on the Edge, The Adventure of Faith and Finances. It's a good book to read. I would highly recommend it, especially if you're having issues with finances. He says that the devil rules men through the area of finances using greed, the lust for power, pride, and fear. He goes on to say that the kingdom of God is different and more powerful. The kingdom of God operates on giving and receiving. People who listen to the Holy Spirit, obey the Lord, and freely give is diminishing the power of the devil. We need to be a people who will listen to the Lord and freely give. In his other book called Winning God's Way, Lauren told the story of how God led him and the YWAM ministry to buy a ship. They had no money, but they felt clearly the Lord's leaving, so they proceeded steps to buy the ship. Money started coming in. As they waited for God to provide the full amount they needed, they heard of another ministry that was praying for money also for a different project. Let me read the excerpt. The Lord impressed us to give away $130,000 to Operation Mobilization for the ship they were in the process of buying for ministry. Then, to our amazement, the Lord led other organizations, such as Last Days Ministries, the 700 Club, 100 Huntley Street, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and David Wilkerson Youth Crusades to give money from their own ministries to us. Large gifts, which in turn help us to finally buy our first ship, the Anastasis. All of this giving underscored our need for the rest of the body of Christ. The result of their giving, as the Lord led, was a strengthening of the body of Christ. When everyone helps each other, love for one another increases. Unity is stronger. In the end, 
when they gave as the Lord led, God gave way more back. They received the full amount they needed to buy their ship. This is a spiritual principle. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Today, many people look to take rather than to give. They're looking to collect and gather for themselves, their loved ones, and their future. That is not God's way. Giving to others generously as God leads is his way for us to live. His resources are immeasurable. As we give and cheerfully pass on our blessings when God leads us, he pours more into our lives. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. The amount we give will determine the amount God gives back to us. I want to read another excerpt from the book. It's on page 100. The body of Christ has already already has the money needed for every work of the Lord. David, Dr. David Barrett, editor of the World Christian Encyclopedia, has stated that two-thirds of the world's wealth is under the ownership and control of Christians. We don't need more money in the body of Christ. We need to get more money flowing. As we give to one another, individual to individual, church to church, across national and denominational lines, the body of Christ will be drawn closer together and to the Lord. Something I've noticed in life is that there are spiritual laws that applies to everyone, whether they're a believer or not. Just as physical laws applies to everyone, such as the law of gravity, so do these spiritual laws. I came across an article a while back that listed a handful of the world's wealthiest men, people, I should say. The list included Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. They found that a common trait these successful people have is generosity. Many business people who are successful understand the spiritual principle of giving. Successful people walk in generosity. They're walking in God's law of giving. As you give, it'll be given to you. I believe this spiritual law is not only talking about money. If we go back a few verses in Luke chapter 6, he says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be determined, will determine the amount you get back. God has given us intangible things like love, mercy, forgiveness, kindness. We have our time, talents, and resources that God has given us to live for Jesus we need to freely give as God leads. Then we'll be acting as children of the Most High, and our reward from heaven will be very great. Who wants a great reward from heaven? I do. Being selfless 
is how we build our treasures in heaven. So choose this day who you will serve. Will you put your trust in money and live for yourself and your own pleasures? Will you inquire of the Lord and use your money and resources to serve him, seeking first his kingdom and give generously as he leads you? Will you trust him with your future? Remember, he promises us that he'll never leave or forsake us. As I prepared for this talk, I looked back at my journals and found some entries that I wanted to share with you. Uh, the first entry is dated September 23, 2016. I was making time for God early in the morning, and I was reading Jeremiah chapters 2 through 5. When you get a chance, read this passage, Jeremiah chapters 2 to 5. In it, God speaks about his relationship with the people of Israel, how they worshipped other gods and walked far from him after he poured out his goodness upon them. God spoke on his viewpoint. It applies to us as Christians as well today. And this is what the Lord told me that morning. Those who turn away from me will be punished. Fear the Lord your God and know his ways. Peace be still, for I know your ways and have seen you. Trust in the Lord and be fruitful in the land. My sheep know my voice. Tell them about me. Seek to please me. My sheep know my voice. We actually can find that in the Bible. It's in John 10, verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Giving generously is not the main point of this message. Unbelievers do that, and they are blessed because it's a spiritual law. The main point of this message is to give generously as God leads you. For his sheep listen to his voice and they follow him. There are so many needs and so many worthy causes around us crying out for support. Ask God who to give to and how much, and then obey. Let him lead you. As we do this, relationships will strengthen. We will grow in our love for God and his people. When I was in my teens, I hated making wrong choices. I could see that wrong choices resulted in problems that were unnecessary and unpleasant. I came across James 1.5, and it became my daily prayer. James 1.5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our God, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So I would ask the Lord wisdom for everything. I would ask him for help in school, and I did well. I would ask him for help when I was anxious or afraid, or in a situation where I did not know what to do or say. God would help me, and I would be blessed. I felt very glad and satisfied. In middle school, I asked him for wisdom, um, direction for my life. People around me were telling me, oh, they're going to be a lawyer, they're going to be a doctor. They're, like all of, they knew what they wanted to be, and I didn't. So I prayed to God, Lord, you made me and created me. I want to accomplish your purpose that you created for me. So even if you lead me to a blue-collar job, I'm willing. I just ask that you let me be the best in the field, or one of the best. I prayed and didn't hear anything. 
Jesus taught us in Luke 11 that when you pray, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking persistently until you get the answer. So that, that's what I did. I prayed and I kept asking, Lord, what do you want me to be? And I didn't hear anything. Years passed. With each year that passed, I felt increased pressure because I had to figure out what to major in college. One day in my senior year, I was in my calculus class, and you know how in class they have like free time where students can go up, talk to the teacher, and so it was like people were just roaming around. I was sitting at my desk, and my teacher all of a sudden said, hey, Leong, you know what you should be? You should be an engineer. And I thought to myself, I'm not even at his dad's talking to him. Like, why did he even say that? Could this be God's answer? Should I be an engineer? What does an engineer do anyway? I hadn't walked 10 feet from the class pondering, is this God's answer? When I finally, clearly got God's answer. In he, I saw in, in my mind's eye, I saw in huge bold letters as I was walking down the path, um, leaving the classroom, pastor's wife slash missionary. And I looked down at myself and I shook my head. I don't think so. Frankly, I couldn't see myself as a pastor's wife, or worse, a missionary. That's like not even me. I couldn't imagine speaking in front of people, or leading the children's choir, or leading Sunday school. I thought to myself, I'm good in math. And none of that stuff, other stuff. And um, so what I did was I dismissed God's answer. And the next year, in my freshman year in college, I put in my major's engineering. Throughout the year, I kept asking God for wisdom. And Lord, what do you want me to be? God's silence was deafening. You know the feeling? I got the message. God already told me, and he wasn't going to change his mind. My choice now was to say, uh, no, I'll do my own thing, or, okay, Lord, I'm willing, help me. Before the end of my freshman year, I surrendered to God. I couldn't live without him. I told him I'll be willing, but you know, I was just going to be myself. Perhaps there was something in me that the church needed, and the rest is history. It hasn't been an easy road for me. But I have no regrets because God has been with me every step of the way. I am not a special person. In Galatians 2.6, the Bible says God has no favorites. I'm just a regular person who said yes to God as he led. His sheep listen to his voice and they follow him. When we can't do what God is calling us to, like in my case, but still say yes to him in faith, He empowers us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Isaiah 26.12 says, Lord, you will grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. God freely gives us his wisdom and guidance, strength and power when we say yes to him. I think he's always talking to us, but if we don't stop and make time to listen, we won't hear him. If you're interested in learning more about hearing the voice of God for yourself, 
Lauren Cunningham, the same author, also wrote another book called, Is That Really You, Lord? Is That Really You, God? It's a book on hearing the voice of God. From my own experience, here are four simple steps to increase your hearing of God and his direction in your life. Take out your notes, because it's not going to just fall upon you and you walk magically. <laughs> Bless. You have to, like, walk it. You have to fight to do it. We're in a spiritual battle, and the enemy won't want you to do it. First one, he often tells me, come to me with singing. Come to me with praise. Just like we do in service. We start our service with worshiping the Lord. So when I'm by myself doing my personal devotions, and he says to me, come to me with singing, come to me with praise, that's how I come to him, even in any group that I might lead. The second thing God's been telling me over and over, and I just want to hand it to you, be daily in my word. This is another instruction I would often hear. Even though I have learned a lot of Bible since my youth, and for many years I went without being daily in his word because I had a bunch of scriptures in me, now God is saying, be daily in my word. I think what the word does is washes and cleanses us and keeps us on track with him. Make every effort to do the same. Ask God to give you understanding as you read. The third thing, humble yourself and ask God forgiveness for your sins. As you read the word, you'll begin to see how short you fall. Ask him for forgiveness and the power to turn away from the things in your life that are not pleasing to him. Walking with God is learning to walk in his power. You see, all we accomplish is really from him. God forgives us when we confess our sins, and he helps us change when we ask him to. We can't do it without him, but he won't do it without us. Especially if you feel like you're struggling in your life, confess your sins. Humble yourself before the Lord. Is there something I'm doing? I'm so messed up right now. Ask him so he can, you can turn from it and walk in his power to walk rightly with him. At the same time, ask God, and I ask him often when I'm not sure, Lord, increase my discernment to know your voice. If you ask, God will answer. The fourth point is key. When you hear him, whether it's in the Bible or through prayer, choose to obey him. Wrestle with yourself as I did when he told me to be a pastor's wife. A great place to start is with your tithe. Ask God for the faith and eyes and provision to see. God says, test me now and see that he will open the heavens, pour out a blessing, and actually bind a devourer. Many people who are struggling financially, who took up this challenge, found themselves out of the pit they were in because God is a God who's true to his promise. God wants to move us from putting our security in money to putting our trust in him. If you are already tithing, then I would encourage you to make it a habit to ask God, Lord, is there someone or a ministry you want me to give to and how much? Then give gladly, trusting him that you're sowing into his kingdom. This is your offering. It's over and above the tithe. Let God lead you and learn to give gladly. Having faith for finances is a good place to be. The money will not be lowered in our hearts, but rather money will be a tool to build God's kingdom. 
A second journal entry I felt I should share was from December 4, 2016. I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Lord showed me a scary vision. I saw the earth quaking, things falling from the sky, people running in panic, and they were in darkness. I saw long whips being whipped, and they were wrapping around people and things. I heard the Lord say, those who put their trust in me will press in and escape the darkness. Thick darkness will envelop the earth. Those who cry out to me, I will save. He said, the end is near. Rest in my peace. My peace I give to you. The Bible tells us that before Jesus comes back to us in the clouds, there will be difficult times, especially for the Christians, and that we would need to persevere in our faith and our love. You can read about it in Matthew 24 and Revelations 14. While there's time, let's draw near to God. Seek him to hear his voice and follow him. Let's fear the Lord and know his ways. Success will come to us if we're willing to do this and be selfless. Let's all stand. Close your eyes and repeat after me. God says to me, I will never desert you or forsake you. I will never fail you or abandon you. So I will say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Please lead and guide me, Lord. I will trust in you. Help me to obey you and give generously as you lead. I ask in Jesus' name.